Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, everyone. I hope you're having a good day, or a good evening, or a good dinner, or whatever you're doing. Eating your snacks, right? My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. i got a great show for you tonight. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We're 45 strong up and down the state. And that, what that means is that no matter where you are in the state, we can get to you. Even if you're a couple counties away, I have people. So the best way to contact us if you have a paranormal need or you think you might have paranormal stuff going on in your house is at CaliforniaHaunts.org or CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Those are the best ways. Or look me up on Facebook because I'm there as well. So, uh, yeah, check us out. Check us out. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody. Hang on a second here. Make adjustment. There we go. And uh, I got an announcement to make. There's going to be a special show uh, with Nancy. Uh, I got a topic that I need to discuss with Nancy on either tomorrow or the next, or the following Friday, and I think you guys are going to be very interested in it. It's something that happened to me last night, and uh, yeah, it's a place to discuss with Nancy. But anyhow, my guest tonight, Mike Sears. I heard him on another show, and he and I have something in common in that he lost his father and was able to witness the tra- his father's transition into the next world, and I was able to do that with my mom, and, well, for the most part, my dad, but my mom was more, you know, because she was here at the house, it was more a vision thing for me to watch, you know, because I, I saw the gradual uh, decline of her, but I also saw what she was experiencing, you know, where they talk about things like seeing um, their relatives and things like that, my mother did do that, and uh, so I was really touched by Mike's uh, story about his dad and I, and I got in contact with him to be on the show but in addition he's also involved with vs paranormal and he does ghost hunting as well so it'll be interesting to talk to him about the paranormal and ufos and aliens and things like that tonight so uh let's do this without further ado hello sir hi can How you hear you doing? me yeah Good. Good, good. Doing good. Thank you. Tell me about yourself. Well, um, I live in uh, Middle Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Um, I moved here from Florida back in 2005. Um, My past experience in work is I used to be in the U.S. Air Force. I was a police officer in the Air Force and then later did security for uh, Department of Defense for a government contractor um, in Florida. And uh, left Florida in uh, 2005 and came to Tennessee. Um, when I moved here to Tennessee, that's when I started getting in deep into paranormal research. But I'd had paranormal experiences years prior to it. But mostly in Florida is where I had a lot of paranormal encounters. Really, really. Did uh, when you were growing up, did you have any paranormal things happen then? Yeah, um, age five was the first time I had a, a ghost experience. Um, my my dad um, was a prior army. We were stationed in uh, New York, 
right outside of uh, Rochester area, Kodak land. And we lived on the Finger Lakes area. And um, I went to bed that night and I felt I was being watched. And I rolled over on the bed and saw a little girl in a white Victorian type dress. And she had black hair and her hair was in curls. And um, first I thought I was imagining it and, you know, rubbed my eyes and looked and she was still there and um, thought maybe my sisters were playing a joke on me. And um, so I tried to ignore it, rolled over, but then I could still feel it was still there. When I rolled over, she was standing right next to my bed and uh, which made me immediately run down the stairs to tell my parents I had seen a ghost and they thought it was my active imagination. Mm -hmm. um, but as years went on, I had other encounters seeing past uh, relatives showing up and um, telling me they had passed away. So I would know ahead of time when the phone would ring, I would say, oh, so-and-so passed away. And my parents would go, well, that's not nice. And I go, well, I just talked to him about, you know, half hour ago. They just said hello and said, hey, everything's fine. So I had some encounters there, but my parents um, at the time thought it was like an act of imagination. Sure. And um, as time went on and um, when we moved from New York to Florida, um, my dad had uh, some paranormal experiences in 94, which... Um, spurred me into more paranormal research. Mm -hmm. See, I grew up in a similar way in my house, and because uh, they always, I always had a vivid imagination anyway. That didn't help it when I started seeing things in my house. My family just blew it off. Oh, you're you're imagining it. It's a dream. It's this. It's that. And I kept calling. No, it's not. I'm not imagining this stuff. Exactly. So I'm actually seeing stuff. I remember lying in my bunk bed, uh, this bunk bed I had, and. You know, there was always a nightlight on in the room, and I could see a dark hand reaching down from the top of the bunk, bunk bed down towards me. Oh, wow. And it would scare me at night, and they'd turn the light on, and, you know, of course, oh, no, nothing's there, nothing's there. So I would right. do something similar, you know. And that's why my house is still active. Oh, wow. Yeah, 94 was the, the life changer, which, you know, my mom experienced it with me, so she was a witness. And then um, other things, as time went on, we had other family members and friends that witnessed stuff that happened. That's interesting you say that, you say that. That's interesting because I know my father, who I never thought would believe in this stuff, he witnessed a couple things in the house and told me about it. And he goes, yeah, didn't you see that? that? That fake flower just went up and stood on end and fell to the ground. And I said, really? And I looked down, the flowers down there. And then he, then he would tell me, he'd laugh. He'd say, if I wasn't wheelchair bound, I'd be out there with you ghost hunting. Wow. You know? But my, yeah. mother, my mother was more adamant about not seeing things. And that's because I think my grandmother, you know, was, was very Mexican. And, and, the, the, and that, was the, the, that was meant to be the devil and all that. My mother wouldn't see it. But towards the end of her life, the last few years, you know, as I started ghost hunting more, she would see stuff more. Right. Yeah, yeah. My, my parents used to be skeptical. I had a, an incident when I was 18. I was working at a grocery store on the night crew, stocking shelves. And the grocery mm -hmm. store was open 24 hours a day. And um, I was working on the floor and uh, this lady walked up to me and she knew my name and asked if I was doing all right. And um, I said, yeah, I'm doing fine. She goes, I just want to make sure you're doing OK. And uh, she walked away and I could smell her perfume and it made me click going, oh, my God, that lady smelled and just looked like my great grandmother. I go, that's crazy. I got to go check her out. So I go around the aisle where she had gone around mm -hmm. and couldn't find her. So I went up to the front and talked to the cashier and I said, have you seen an elderly lady? And she's like, uh, no, I haven't seen anybody come in. I've been sitting up here at the register waiting for customers. And it was about midnight. And um, so 
I said, well, I saw this lady. She knew my name and everything. And, she, and I said, sounds weird, but she looked like my great grandmother. So um, my supervisor, he goes to check on me and sees I'm not putting stuff on the shelves where I'm supposed to be. So he comes looking for me. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of spooked. I just saw this woman that looked like my great grandmother. And I talked to her. So he thought I was crazy. So they went looking for this lady. And to put it to rest, he went to go check the security camera mm -hmm. and rewound it. We went up to the manager's office and he goes, well, there you are on the aisle. He goes, I see you stopping, putting stuff on the shelf and you're talking to someone, but there's no one on the camera. And wow. uh, so he goes, well, you're spooking me. You're going home for the rest of the night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got sent home. And then, of course, my parents are like, what are you doing so home early from work? And I, and I said, well, I think I saw my great grandmother at the grocery store. That's incredible. And you know, how old were you at that point? Um, I was 18 or 19 at the time. See, it's interesting because, you know, kids that have abilities, with, well, you know this, you're an investigator. Right. You know, when they're young, it tends to suppress as they get older. But with you, it kept going. Right. So you got real strong abilities. Yeah. Um, I, I'm still like, I'm skeptic, you know, if I see something. And that's a nice thing. Like I've done... Um, public events where, you know, it's a ghost hunt where people pay to go for a charity event. Mm -hmm. and, and there was one time I was doing a civil war plantation. And I had a family of five with me and the mother starts going, Oh my God, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And I go, well, if you're talking about the man standing in the corner, I said, yeah, I see him clear as day. And her kids and her sister, all, all five of them, you know, saw the guy standing there and then he stepped back into the darkness and vanished. So wow. it's great when you got multiple witnesses, you know, yes, you're not is. crazy. Yes, it is. My mother, uh, we were at this hotel, old hotel, and she would go nuts with us because we're, she's sitting there and she's, going, and she's throwing kisses and she's blowing kisses. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, what are you doing? There's a cowboy over there. He's really cute." Wow. I said, "What cowboy?" She says, "He's cute." And, he, and she kept going, "Come over here and give me a kiss." Wow. <laughs> you don't know what that's going to do. You don't you call that over here, you know? <laughs> right. But um, yeah, she had really, really good abilities, and it wasn't just because I, I know she had uh, brain issues in the end. It wasn't just that; it, it was way before that. You know, when I started go, when I started ghost hunting and, and taking her with me and taking her to lunches and different places for pre-lips is when I noticed it. But um, it, it's interesting to watch how it can run in families. Yeah. Um, Did any I, of your siblings or your mother or father have any type of? Um, my dad, he would have like premonitions and he, but he acted real skeptical. He'd just be nonchalant. He's like, Oh, have a safe trip. Don't worry about the car accident. And we're like, well, that's not nice. And, uh, sure enough, we got in a car accident. And, um, so he had like premonitions. Uh, there was a couple, he had a, when he was in Vietnam, he shared some stories where he just felt that he needed to hold off a little longer. He was supposed to go on down this road to deliver some stuff. And, and he said, if he had left on the time he was supposed to gone, he would have been there when they had an ambush on the road. Mm. So he's had a couple close calls due to having a gut feeling as he called it. But, and then I learned uh, later on when I went through the experience with my dad and the haunting I went through, um, my grandmother let us know that my great aunt, which I didn't know about, and my mom was unaware of it until then. She goes, Oh, I wish your great aunt was alive to help you guys out. But she was a spiritualist. And she used to go to seances in New York State. And she so used to go just, down to, oops, she used to go down to Florida too to Castillega for the big events down there. Interesting. So you just mentioned the haunting that you went through. Tell me about that. Um, well, I'll, let me lead up to it. Okay. And because it goes like in an order. Um, in '94, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and um, his health was deteriorating 
pretty bad in May. And he had this, uh, we were taking care of him in his own bed at the time. And he was kind of weak. And um, I went to go to help him get to bed that night and uh, gave him a, a glass of water with a straw. And then I held the glass for him so he could drink. So he's a pretty weak guy. And um, I went to bed and about three o'clock in the morning, I hear my mom screaming and my dad screaming for help, calling for me. And I run out of my room and go to their room. And I find them both out of bed, which shocked me. My dad's standing there and he's all terrified. And um, he's telling me, he goes, they're, they're coming for me. And I said, well, who's coming for you? And he goes, don't you see it? And he pointed at the end of his bed. There's this huge dresser with a giant mirror on the wall. And he was saying that he was seeing like these demon or gargoyle type creatures. He described them as nailing people upside down on crosses. And they were telling him that he was next, that they were coming for him. And my mom, you know, she's in a panic and worried. And she's like, what can we do to calm him down? And we both thought maybe it was the painkillers that he was on because he had uh, spinal cancer. And um, that was real bad. And um, so I said, go to next door and get the neighbor. We had a Baptist minister that lived next door. And I said, maybe he can, you know, help us calm him down. So after she left, he's going to me, he goes, we also got to call the police and the Pentagon. And I said, why? And he goes, we got to warn him. He goes, there's this evil dark force coming from Africa to harm the United States. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, they're going to attack the Pentagon and a major city along the East coast. And so he's trying to get to the phone and I'm trying to stop him to get to the phone and he's begging me to let him use the phone. And I, so I had literally pulled the phone jack out of the wall at the time. And um, so he finally gets frustrated and starts heading out to our side patio door. We had a screened in porch off the side of the house. So he was trying to get out there. So I try to restrain him. And like I said, I used to be a police officer in the air force. So I was trying to do a, a hold on him, but not, trying to hurt him because of the spinal cancer and he broke free and literally lifted me up in the air. And at that time I weighed about 150 pounds and threw me across our living room. We had a big living room and uh, I, we had this gigantic uh, Georgia courts rock fireplace and my back went slamming into the rocks and uh, he walked out the patio and tried to get out the side door, but luckily the door was jammed. So he couldn't get outside. And I got myself together, went run out to the patio to go get him. And I'm trying to bring him in. And then uh, my mom and the, and the minister came in the house and they were shocked, you know, to see him all the way over there. So they um, helped me get him back into his own bed. And so the minister is like, I'll talk to him and uh, try to calm him down. So he went in there and talked to him. And then I told my mom what had happened. And I asked her to check my back out. And I had all these, you know, big scratches and cuts on my back from being hit in the rocks. And uh, so about a half hour, I think goes by and the minister comes out and he says, he's all calmed down. And he goes, I think he was just coming to terms with his death, you know? And I was like, I don't think it was that, but I didn't share with him what he had told me. So mm -hmm. after he had left, um, my dad called for me to come in the room. And um, so I stood outside the door. I was kind of scared to go any further in there since he had just thrown me across the room and um he says everything's better now and i said well that's good i said the you know minister calmed you down and all that and he's like oh no 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 and he says the the angels came 
And I was like, uh, okay. And he goes, there's one standing behind you. Well, at the entrance of the bedroom, my mom had this Victorian, uh, like type looking little chair with a harp, you know, hanging on the wall. And I said, do you mean this? And my dad being 22 years army and that goes, uh, no, you dumbass. <laughs> I'm talking about the six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eye guy with this, the shield and sword there standing behind you. And I'm like, I don't see that, but he, and so he was very believable. You know, my dad was not a person that would make up stuff. So um, he says he made everything better. Everything's going to be okay. So he finally being exhausted, he, he, he fell asleep. So I went and told my mom what had happened and um, about the incident with him talking about that the United States was in jeopardy and that. So it wasn't until years later when 9-11 happened, my mom and I were both on the phone calling each other going, oh, my God. I said, do you think this is what he was talking about back in 94? Because I said he mentioned the Pentagon and a major city on the East Coast. So I don't know if he was trying to warn us, but it just seemed more than coincidence that, mm -hmm. you know, that lined up to that. And uh, so after that incident, a um, few days went by and his health got worse. So hospice came in and they decided to remove him from his own bed and put him in a hospital bed in our, our main living room area. And as time went on, his health got worse and worse and he went into a coma. And um, they said that uh, his body temperature had gone way up and they expected him to probably pass away later that evening. And they came in every other day. My mom and I would cover the days that they weren't there. And but they offered to say, you know, we can stay there with you if you want tonight because it's we feel he's going to pass. And or if you want, we can come first thing tomorrow morning. And my mom's like, well, if we need you, we'll call you, you know, kind of deal. And um, so. I was exhausted from working and helping. And so I said, I'm going to go to bed. If you need me, please come wake me. And if he definitely passes away, please let me know. So she took care of him. And that night about a little after three again in the morning and he took his last breath and she took his pulse and everything and he had passed. And so she was there for almost a half hour. She said grieving at his side. And then she decided to go wake me up and tell me that he had passed away. And before she could leave the room, he sat up out of the bed and said, uh, where are you going? I need to talk to you. Um, it was shocked her, you know, and here's a guy that hadn't talked in almost a week. He was in a coma. So, um, she goes back to sit next to them on the bed there and he just looked healthy as can be all the colors back in his face. And, um, he's like, look, I'm worried about you and Mike. I just want to make sure that you're going to be okay. I, I begged them to allow me to come back and to tell you guys that everything's going to be okay and um so they ended up talking for hours and my dad um my mom said she couldn't see him but she could feel this like energy in the room mm -hmm. and um there was past relatives um that came through and he was talking back and forth to them and and, re and, and relaying the messages to my mom and then one of the people that came through my dad's first wife he had met while he was stationed in japan in the 50s um she had passed away in 1963 from cancer and she was japanese he had met her when he was stationed in tokyo he lived there for three years and um so he had spoke japanese and and interpreted back and forth and he and he had told my mom that she wanted her to know that she thanked her for taking care of my dad on this side and that she would be taking care of him on the other side. So by that time, it's almost seven in the morning. 
And she's like, I need to go get Mike. You know, I don't know how much longer it's going to last. And he's like, well, I'd really like to freshen up. I want to take a shower. And he ended up uh, getting up on his own and going to his own bedroom and taking a shower. Wow. Yeah. And she went and woke me up and she says, hey, your dad wants to talk to you. And I was like in shock, you know. And uh, so I got up and I was like asking her what's going on. She goes, I'll let you see for yourself because it's a little hard to explain what's going on. So I head out to the living room where he's supposed to been and I see the bed empty and I'm like, where'd he go? And she's like, he's in his own bed. And I hear him call for me and surprised to see him in his own bed. And he looked healthy. You know, he had color to his face and and um so i went in there and sat on the bed and started talking to him and um he asked me if i had any questions before he had to go and i'm like i don't know what what to ask you know i jokingly with him because my dad was really picky with his tools he didn't like anybody messing with his tools and if i did use his tools he'd get upset and um so he apologized for that he had wished that he had taught me more on using his you know tools and equipment and um and then he said, yeah, you're right. It's too late to show you something like that. So one of the things that caught me off guard um, is when I said, well, you've had it rough. You know, you've been battling cancer on and off for 10 years. And he goes, well, I haven't had it rough. And I'm like, well, who's had it rough? And my dad was not a churchgoer. And this just blew me away. I about fell off his bed when he said it. And I said, well, who's had it rougher than you? And he goes, Jesus has had it rough. And I was like, wow. And the only time I heard that name from my dad is if he was cussing, he was not a churchgoer. And uh, so that shocked me. And then, so we talked for about a half hour and he's like, well, I guess I'm done. If you have nothing else for me, he goes, I'm ready. I guess I'll go back. And so my mom's like, well, I don't know how that works. I guess you got to go to sleep. So we said goodbye to him and he went to sleep and we went out in the living room and she was telling me all that was hap that happened that night. And about 11 o'clock he wakes up and um, yells out going, hello. So we go to check on him and he was surprised to see us. He's like, what are you guys doing here? And, and, and we're like, we live here. And he's like, they didn't come and get me. And we're like, no. And he's like, I don't understand. He was like all, all disappointed that they hadn't come back to take him. And my mom goes, well, maybe they're giving you a free pass. You know, I don't know how this works. And he goes, well, I'm starved. And he had been on a liquid diet for over a month. And so we're like, what can we make for you? Do you want some soup? Do you want a smoothie? You know, what, some juice? And he's like, no, I want some real food. He goes, I want like steak and stuff like that. So he's like, Mike, grab my wallet, go to the store, go get me a nice meal. So, uh, I ran down to the store and ended up getting some steak and some potatoes and corn. And they had at the seafood department live crawfish. So I grabbed some crawfish and thought that'd be a special treat for him and uh, grab a six pack of beer and even rented a movie just in case. I didn't know, you know, so this is, this is in 94. I didn't have a cell phone at the time, so I wasn't sure if he was going to be there. And I get back and he's walking around the house and prepping the kitchen to help make, you know, the meal. And uh, we had the meal and sat at the kitchen table and had a nice meal. And then we relaxed in the living room. He got in his recliner chair and, you know, we watched the movie and uh, shared family stories and all that. And then he finally goes, it's getting late. I'd rather go to my own bed. And he says, well, we go in the bedroom and watch family, you know, movies and go through photo albums. And so we did that. And uh, it was almost about midnight. And he's like, I'm just exhausted. And he says, I got to go to sleep. I can't stay awake anymore. 
And um, he goes, just in case I don't wake up, you know, just let you know that I love you guys and I will do my best to make contact from the other side to let you know I'm, you know, around. And we're like, well, we can understand if, you know, if you can't, but that would be awesome, you know. And uh, so we all said our farewells. And the next morning, my mom comes knocking on my bedroom door in a panic and I go, what's up? And she goes, hospice is here. They're at the door. And I said, okay, let him in. She goes, well, you don't understand. Your dad's back in a coma. All the color's gone from him. You know, he looks sick again. And she goes, how are we going to explain that he's not in the hospice bed, but he's in his own bed? And I said, well, just tell him what happened. So she goes to open the door. They come in and go straight to the hospital bed. And they're uh, upset to see him. He's not in his bed. And uh, don't believe us. We try to tell him what had happened. And... Um, so I just told my mom, I said, we'll just let it go. You know, we know what happened, you know, the day before. And, um, and then he passed away a couple of days later. Yeah, it's a neat story, though. I mean, he held on to talk to you guys, and, and that's what makes it so nice. Yeah. Most people don't get that. I mean, my mother, finally, at the end, you know, she just was inco incoherent. You know, and I happening to step out of the room to use the restroom came back she was gone my dad wow. um, right up until about maybe two hours before he he actually sat up and said well i'm ready to go for a ride let's go home right wow i said well you know we can't go home the doctors have to say it's okay to go home but that that's fabulous yeah it was it was an amazing experience i mean at the time we were just numb and in shock and now we got like tons of questions we wish we could have asked them yeah. and um but we were just you know just in shock it was just you know it was a, just a gift you know to have that moment to talk to him because we hadn't talked to him probably almost you know almost a month close to a month and uh um to see him you know walking around and using the bathroom on his own and didn't need a cane and his walker and all that. We were just like, that's just crazy. And then he was eating normal food. You know, he was on a liquid diet for about a month. So that was pretty shocking. My mother did have a period like that. I don't know why she shut down. Maybe she had a stroke, you know, that, no, right. that nobody was aware of. She shut down. She would not come to, she had to have a liquid diet. You know, she would fight you when, when you tried to feed her. So I was using syringes to try and get right. her, her shakes because because we had her on um like 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 you know shakes to keep her going right and all of a sudden one day she woke up sat up and said i'm hungry feed me wow and then we had her for two more years and that was that was it wow but i mean miracles like that do happen you know yeah and i remember i think a month or, yeah a month before she passed somebody came to get her and I could hear her holler down the hallway, I'm not ready yet. Leave me alone. Wow. Yeah, I've heard uh, similar stories like that. And my wife's an RN nurse, and she she's taking care of people that, you know, hospice care. Mm -hmm. And they have seen um, relatives that have passed away prior. You know, the people are talking about they're seeing a past wife or a husband or some family member that's in the room. But she doesn't see him, but they're talking mm -hmm. to him. The story of the, him saying that there was an angel standing behind you. My mother, I would be changing her, and she would say, "That man behind you is mad. He's angry at you." Right. And I'd say, "What man standing behind me that's angry at me?" You know. So she was. She'd always, she don't. She would have moments like that as well. My father, when he was this is where he was, he was lying facing his restroom, and there was a mirror there, and he swore up and down every night that somebody would walk back and forth in that bathroom. Wow. 
So he asked me to set up my equipment in here, which I did. And I have these photos of him lying in bed, and he's got an EMF meter. You know, he's got a digital voice recorder. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's watching the door to see if anything's going to come, and nothing came that night. Oh, wow. But uh, I, I have all that on film, so it's kind of cool. But, I mean, the stuff like that, you know, where, they were, where he was seeing stuff, which to me makes it a lot more real because he was so uh, cut and dry with, with things. Right. Kind of like your dad, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah, my dad did mess around, and <laughs> if he told you something, he meant it, you know. From that generation, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But my mother, she saw things all the time, and, you know, <laughs> in my living room, um, I made her a tuna sandwich, and uh, she – all of a sudden, I see her get under her blanket, and I'm like, "Well, what are you doing?" And she goes, "I'm hiding from them." Wow. And I said, "Why?" She says, "Because they're all here." And then, then I said, "Well, just tell them to go away," you know. And and so we sat for a few more minutes, and then I see her take a piece of sandwich and put it up in the air. And I said, "Well, what are you doing now?" She said, "I'm feeding them." Oh wow. I said, "Well, don't feed them; more <laughs> will come." <laughs> you know, so right. all stuff like that. But but your store. I love your story. That's why I want to get you on here. It's, it's, it's a great story. It's a story of hope for people because, you know, they're, they're well aware of what's going on with themselves. Right. People don't think they are, but, but they are well aware of what's going on, you know, that things are going downhill and, and you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're aware of it. So you said he, um, he promised to try to contact you if, if at all possible. Has, has he done that? Yeah, there was uh, several things that we believe was him, you know, reaching out. One of them was I asked him, what are you going to miss once you leave here? I asked that question to him and he said, well, I'm going to miss. He goes, I, I, you know, I worked hard. He planted an avocado tree, a pineapple plant and an orange tree. This is because we lived in Florida. And he goes, I never got a fruit off him. And he says, I was really looking forward to having a fruit off those. And that year after his death, all three of those plants only produce two fruit, one each, one for my mom and me. So after that, the following year, multiple fruits. But that first year um, after his death, we thought that was, you know, a possible sign for him because each of them only produced two. And then um, after his death for several days, his favorite songbird was a cardinal. And a cardinal appeared and tapped on the window by the where his hospice bed was and it would show up about the time he passed away the second time and which was in the afternoon about three or four in the afternoon and it would be tapping on the glass and it was about like the third or fourth day i said to my mom i said uh um i wonder if that's a sign from dad because it keeps on showing up at the same time of day tapping on the glass and as soon as i said that the bird stopped and never came back after that so we felt that was a possible sign and then his day of his funeral we felt was definitely a sign. Um, we came back from the funeral and I asked my mom, I said, do you want to have dinner, a nice relaxing dinner at the kitchen table and play the jukebox? Or do you want to listen to the news in the living room and uh, watch, you know, the TV news there? And she's like, I'd rather watch the news. So I said, all right, I'll make you a plate. So I made her a plate and took it out to her. And um, as I went back to the kitchen to make mine, I heard the jukebox turn on wow. and select a record and the music's blaring so she's yelling she's like hey i thought we weren't going to use the jukebox and i said oh i thought you selected it and she's like no i haven't can you please turn it off so i come out there and the jukebox is all lit up and if i don't know if you can see on the camera in the corner here that's the actual jukebox that happened with um i go over there and i 
go to turn it off and I'm shocked. I look down to the ground and there's the plug laying on the floor, unplugged from the wall outlet. Yeah. And it's playing this record super loud. The lights are all lit up around the jukebox flashing. And um, I show her the plug and she's like, no way. And I said, well, listen to the song. And she's like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden the lights start dimming and the record slowed down and it came to a dead stop. And it's selected out of 145s, and we had this 45 in there with the Garth Brooks song, If Tomorrow Never Comes. Wow. And and so that was pretty amazing. And, and then um, that Christmas, I heard his voice. I was out shopping, and I bought a four-foot-tall angel for my mom. And um, I was just ready to put it in the car, and it smelled strong cigar smoke, like someone had blew it in my face. And... Um, I thought someone was being rude and I looked around, nobody was around. And then I heard my dad's voice in my head saying, Hey, you need to go to Tokyo market. The specialty store used to buy um, imported food from Japan. And um, I thought it was going crazy. So I get in the car and all of a sudden I'm smelling the cigar smoke in my car and his voice going, look, you got to go there now. So here I'm thinking I'm going crazy. I literally start talking out loud. I go, I don't know if that's you dad, but uh, it's on my list. It's way on the other side of town. I'm, plane to go there towards the end of my day and he's like no you got to go now and i'm like all right i'm going so <laughs> i drive all the way over there as fast as i can and the cigar smoke went away in the car and i didn't hear his voice on the whole drive over there i get out of the car and i start walking towards the store and then all of a sudden the cigar smoke smell picked mm -hmm. up again and um, I walk in the store and I see something on the, as soon as I walk in, there's a display case and I see something and I hear his voice goes, oh, don't bother with that. You, you, you need to go down to the left aisle all the way to the far left, go all the way down, look to your left and you'll see it in the case. You'll know what it is. And so I go down there and sure enough, there's this item he'd been asking for for five years at the store to have shipped over from Japan. And so I bought it all. I go up to the register and the lady's like, you didn't, you're not buying all this, are you? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, we have a loyal customer and he's been wanting this for years, but we misplaced his number and we were hoping he would come in. We haven't seen him in quite a while. So I pulled out my wallet and showed a picture of my dad. And she's like, yeah, that's him. And I said, well, I'm his son. And uh, he had passed away earlier this year. And she's like, oh, wow. Um, she goes, I guess it's meant to be for you to come in here and get it. And she's like, you know, you're welcome to buy it all. So I didn't tell her what brought me in there. <laughs> and uh, so I cash out and start heading out to the car and I could smell the cigar smoke again. I hear my dad's voice um, say, tell your mom and you, you know, Merry Christmas. And uh, so I drove straight home and told my mom to go sit down and close her eyes. And I brought this angel out that I bought her for Christmas, but gave it to her early. And, um, and she was shocked. She's like, Oh, you should have waited till Christmas. And I said, Nope, because this goes with it. And then I told the story and then handed her the bag of the food that was imported from Japan. And, um, she was like, uh, you know, in shock. And we both cried, you know. And I said, Dad said, Merry Christmas. And he used to do Christmas really big. Um, that was his gift to us, is he would make big, fancy gourmet meals. Mm -hmm. And we would pick different countries that he used to do all kinds of fancy dinners that he learned where all these countries he was stationed at, he would learn how to do the different foods from around the world. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, I had, I had instances as well. My mother, I knew she wouldn't want to be dirty, you know, when she went to the mortuary. So after she passed, I bathed her, but being a ghost hunter, right. I made sure I had a certain scented soap, you know, wondering if it was actually going to work. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. So I, I bathed her in the certain scent soap. And then later on, while we were all, my friends were here with me, I kept smelling the soap. Oh, wow. Walking around around us, you know. And my friend who was here noticed it as well. She pointed out and said, do you smell that? What is that? Wow. So when my mother does come back, and she comes back pretty, you know, pretty frequently to check up on me, I right. can tell it's her. Wow. And another incident, which, you know, like you say, coincidence is coincidence, but I usually have two Christmas trees here in the house. And the, the year she died, I, I said, Mom, I'm going to have to take these things down. You know, it's coming up to July here, and, you know, it's got, they're going to have to go down. And um, so I'm driving. I went to Target, and I was on my way back. And the rock station start, plays um, Oh Holy Night. Wow. And I looked over and I said, okay, I got I got the message. It's all good. It's all good. So I'll take the smaller tree down and leave the big one up. I get it. You know, so there's one tree up because she wanted to have a tree up, I guess. You know, that, that was her message to me. Wow. But she comes around like Halloween because I, you know, I, like all ghost hunters, I do heavy decorating. You know? Right. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. And I'm standing out front, you know, looking at my stuff. And then I, all of a sudden I get a whiff of her walking around and stuff. So it, it's been unique after she's gone, you know. Does it make a difference now when you go out on your investigations? Because I know it does for me when people start describing what they're experiencing. Does that make a difference for you? I mean, I'm still I'm still out to look at the logical explanations. For right. Them, yeah. But I'm more I lean more to go. Yeah. You know, I believe that you that, that you saw something. You know, we just have to sort through it. So did it make a right. difference in your approach? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I still try to be rational and try to figure out, well, maybe it was this, or, you know, are you going through a lot of stress? I'll ask that. Or are you on any medications and stuff mm -hmm. like that? Try to rule everything out, you know, and I've had, you know, where I'm on investigations, I'll start saying a wisp of white smoke, like floating across the room and I'll go to everyone else. Are you seeing that? Or is it just me seeing it? And how have other people going? No, I see it. You know, it's moving. So yeah, I try to, I'm pretty more open-minded. Definitely. And especially when I have people that will call me and say, oh, I have an extreme haunting. And I'm like, well, what's extreme? <laughs> like, well, we had a door slam. And I'm like, well, is anybody being dragged out of bed or thrown into walls? And they're like, um, does that happen? I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, it's shocked at what people would consider what would be extreme. To me, it's just, you know, a little thing and it's trying to get your attention. So it definitely got... Sorry, when you would talk to your dad's doctors, and they would ask you, and this, I went through this too, and mm -hmm. they would say, "Well, is he hallucinating, or is she hallucinating?" Right. And I'd have to go. Well, that depends on what you mean by hallucinating, because I'm a ghost hunter, and you know she's seeing stuff. She's not hallucinating. Right. Did you have issues with that trying to explain that to the doctors? Or well, at that time. Were you a ghost hunter at that time? No, I wasn't a ghost hunter until um, I started getting into it around 2006. Okay. And it was because after I moved to Tennessee, the house we moved in ended up being haunted. And I was like, oh, great, because I didn't want to deal with it. Because I lived through an extreme haunting in Florida for about six years. And um, so I thought everything was negative, you know. Sure. And the house we moved in ended up being all positive. They're all what we call friendly ghosts. And... Um, when I started watching, there was a paranormal show I watched and they were helping a family 
And at the end of the show, I was like, oh my God, they found no answers for the family and they just pretty much just left them terrified. And I said, yeah. that's, that's not good. So I gone to the wife, I said, well, maybe I can find a team and use my personal experience to help them understand what they're going through, that it, they're not crazy and um, help them find answers. And, and not all hauntings are negative. Right. So, cause like what I went through in Florida, it was extremely, extremely rare. And um, the good thing about that haunting though, was we had witnesses. So it was, you know, we had family members and friends that, you know, witnessed stuff that happened there. So what happened there? Tell me. Okay. Um, my dad passed away in June. And then in August of that same year, I woke up in the early August, about three o'clock in the morning and um, felt like someone was in the house. I thought someone had broken into the house and they were in my bedroom and it was pitch black in my room. So I couldn't see. So I went to reach for my uh, light by my headboard and grab uh, a pistol. I slept with a gun. And uh, before I could get to it, I felt two hands grab me by the ankles and start pulling, pulling me off the bed. And um, I got about halfway off the bed and I broke free, climbed back up the bed as fast as I could to get to my gun and light. And before I could get to it, I felt uh, someone like jump on my back and mm -hmm. shove my face into my pillow. So I'm screaming in the pillow and I was living at home with my mother at the time trying to let her know someone had broken in the house. And um, I finally broke free, turned on the light, grabbed my gun and my bedroom door is closed and there's nobody in my room. And I'm like, that was crazy. What is going on? So I immediately go and check on her and uh, woke her up. And she thought I was having uh, nightmares, PTSD from the Gulf War. I was in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. So I said, no, it's nothing like that. I mean, this really happened. It was not a nightmare. And so she's like, well, let me wake up. So she went to the restroom to wash her face. And when she came at while she was in there, I heard something coming down the hallway and I thought it was my dog. I had a big Akita, which is like a big uh, Husky type dog. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden this force of energy hit me square in the chest, like a football player had tackled me. And I lifted right off her bedroom floor and was thrown about eight to 10 feet back and slammed into her bedroom wall. And she saw that and she's like, oh, my God, are you OK? Did you lose your balance? And I'm like, how do I lose my balance from way over there to go to here? I said, no, I just got attacked again. I said, whatever it is, I can't see it. It's crazy. And so all of a sudden it would grab me and I couldn't talk. I'd be like paralyzed and she could see it. You know, my um, body just totally tensed up and the hair on my body was standing straight up on end on my arms and my chest that didn't have a shirt on at the time. And um, she would grab me by the arm and she said she could feel like this electrical current go through her. She would tingle and her hair would stand up on end. And, um, and then it would release, the energy would go. And I said, it's gone. I just felt it let go of me. So she's calm through the whole thing, which was amazing. And she's thinking, well, maybe it's medical. Maybe it's your blood pressure. So she's like taking my blood pressure. And she's like, no, your blood pressure is reading normal. But then when it was attacking me, it was like, you feel like someone grabbing you in a bear hug. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was being attacked, she would take the blood pressure again and um, it would be extremely high. And she's like, it shouldn't change that fast. She goes, that's that's just not right. And this went on and on for about a half hour almost. And it, and she couldn't keep up writing notes. And um, she she was a school teacher and she had a little portable cassette recorder in her purse. Mm -hmm. So she grabbed that and started taking notes and recording it. And um Sadly, when we moved from Florida to Tennessee, the shippers, we lost a whole bunch of stuff that somehow 
didn't arrive in Tennessee. And she had that cassette tape, which I wish I had today because on that tape, we, we played it in the, um, to one of our friends who came over the next day and she's here and she's like, Oh, I can hear the panic in Mike's voice and you, you're concerned. And, and then all of a sudden hear this raspy voice really loud goes off, you know, when she was grabbing me. And so we figured maybe it was the spirit, whatever, telling her to get off me or when she was touching. Mm -hmm. And um, so later on, uh, she called my grandmother, her mother, and she was telling her what had happened. And I said, well, while you're talking to her, I'm going to go in my bedroom one second to grab something. And I got attacked as I was going to there. And um, and then this just went on and on for from 94 to 95 was the most intense time period where I would be in bed and you could just feel the energy in the room. And all of a sudden you could feel two hands grab you by the shoulders and slam you into the headboard of the bed, or I'd be pushed out of the bed. Or if I'm walking in the room, all of a sudden you could feel a hand push you on the, on the shoulder and I get pushed into a wall. And, um, so a lot of crazy stuff, you know, things thrown at me, light bulbs exploding. Um, so we had reached out to all kinds of clergy. None of them could help. We had like our neighbor who was the Baptist minister. He came over, did a blessing of the house. As soon as he left, all the bedroom doors started slamming shut and um, light bulbs would explode. And I'm like, well, that didn't help. That just, I think, made it more mad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so during July, um, when we had free time after my dad's funeral, it was our first weekend that we could actually relax. We went out for a drive and I drove by a psychic fair. And my mom goes, oh, wow, a psychic fair. I've never been to one of those. And I said, do you want to go? And she's like, sure. And I said, I'll take you. I said, I'm not a believer of it, but yeah, let's go. So we get in there and the, the lady that's running the fair, she's like, do you want a reading? And, and she had this list of all these people on the wall. And I said, well, as long as you got one that works with law enforcement, I'll take that one. And she goes, matter of fact, we do have a lady that helps with the state police in the uh, sheriff's office. And um, I said, well, I'll take her then. And then I met her and she immediately started describing my personality to a T and I didn't even say anything. And she was like, you see ghosts. You've been seeing ghosts since you were a kid and you, you know, you're very gifted. And I'm like, oh, OK. And uh, so she's like, what do you want? And I said, a little potpourri of past, present and future type thing. And I said, I'm not saying anything until you're done and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. And she was just amazingly dead on on a lot of it. So during the haunting, I go to my mom. I said, maybe she can help us. Or if she can't, maybe she knows someone that can help us. And um, so she um, goes, I can tell you what's there, but I can't get rid of it. So I was like, all right, that'll help at least so we know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So she came in there and immediately she says, oh, wow, you got three nasties. And she said it was linked to my dad's military past and um, it was connected to his service in Vietnam. And we knew my dad was with uh, MACV um, command and um, we knew he was an advisor, but we didn't know how deep what he was involved in. And we had heard rumors from friends that he was part of a clandestine thing called the Phoenix program. Mm And uh, she, she said that there was a mission that was for personal gain and my dad wasn't going to partake in it. And um, so he didn't go. And these three guys went and they supposedly got killed and they were pissed off and been haunting my dad since Vietnam. And we always chalked it up as PTSD of his nightmares and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, she said they were upset that he crossed over and they were taking it out on me. 
And uh, but during her time while she was there, she literally ran out of her house. Um, she witnessed uh, a Bible levitate off my bed and slam shut and then the door slam in her faces. And we had a family friend that was there during the, her visit because I go to my mom. And I said, we should have someone here as a witness, not just us, you know, mm-hmm. someone that's outside the family. And uh, so she came over and she witnessed it. And then we had the lady said, do you have any white candles to light? And I said, all I got is these little tea, you know, votive candles. She goes, those are works. And she says, light those all on your fireplace mantle up there. So I had about like, I think it was like six or eight of them across the fireplace mantle. And when she was ready to leave after she saw the Bible uh, shut and that she ran out where she had lit this big six inch votive candle, big candle. And it, and it was totally melted on our coffee table, which freaked her out. And then I said, are the tea candles supposed to be doing that? And all the, every one of them, the flames were almost a foot high on all, all the tea candles. She's like, no, she's like, you need some serious clergy. I can't help you. You know, God bless you. And, and she literally grabbed her stuff and ran wow. out the door. Yeah. <laughs> And there wasn't like, you know, paranormal groups back then in the 90s. Right. Um, I found one uh, a year later after the house had been cleansed and all that. Um, and I told them what had happened and their eyes got huge. And they're like, no, we can't help you. <laughs> they were too scared to come over. But my mom, being a school teacher, she had a student that was uh, Native American Indian. And she found out his dad was uh, a medicine man. Mm-hmm. And so she contacted him and says, look, your son's not in trouble or anything. I just have an odd question and possibly a request if you can help me. And she explained what was going on. And he says, yeah, I can help you. And so he came over and did this uh, cleansing ceremony. It lasted about eight hours and uh, nothing happened for about a full year. And um, he had ta- taught me during that eight hours how to stand up to it and not fear it. And, um, so when it started up again, I had woke up in the middle of the night, my dog jumped on the bed, terrified, and all the doors in the house were opening and closing at the same time, just open and close and open and close. And so I just yelled out, you know, I'm tired of this, you know, bring it on, let's get it over with. And the door stopped. And then after that, every time something would happen, I just yell, not impressed or, you know, and it just got weaker uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, question in the chat room: Did his dad ever try to help spiritually? Oh, um, yeah. The psychic said my dad could come to the rescue, and she says you might see him manifest and fighting these guys. And I'm like, I'd like to see him, but not in that way. I think that would be terrifying. But I'm not sure. Um, I had one person tell me that the off we heard on the recording, someone said that was my dad, my dad, um, uh, yelling out to the spirit to let go of me. Um, I'm not sure, but that's what I was told. Um, but yeah, she said, if, you know, call your dad, he can maybe come and help you. And even the, the native American Indian said the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I would call for help and it, the, it would stop, you know, the activity would stop. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never, I never saw a manifest or anything like that. I remember one of my first ghost hunts. It really wasn't a ghost hunt because we would film this other team for a public access TV show. And uh, I remember one of the psychics says, you know, there's a little gray-haired woman, looks Indian, standing over there right between you and, 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 the, and, you know, and the ghost. And she's got a staff, and she's pounding the staff in the ground to protect wow. And it was my grandmother. Oh, wow. And I knew immediately who it was, and I said, wow, she's, you know, she's here in this, in, this ha- in this other house. So, yeah, if you do, do that, I mean, if, if you need the help and your relatives are there, they're, they're going to help you. They're going to help you. 
So did you finally move out of the Florida house, or, or how did you get yeah, uh, it um, off? Did, did they follow you anywhere else? Um, I didn't have – I had an encounter at my mom. I moved out in 2000 and got married, and my mom moved out, I think, in 2001 or 2002. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when she moved to Tennessee in 2005 also. So I went to her house to help on the closing. She had already moved to Tennessee, so – I was helping with the closing of their, her Florida home. And when I walked in the house to get it ready for the realtor, I felt that same energy I had at her prior house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no. And I got grabbed like in a barrel, you know, bear hug there. And um, finally got free and ran out of the house and um, called my wife and said, uh, I'm not going back in the house. I was like, no way. I said, I haven't had that feeling since my mom's house from the past. And then um, probably I think it's been about three or four years ago. Um, I was doing some real extensive research the past five or six years, trying to find more history on my dad and ended up learning that my dad worked with the CIA in Vietnam. And, um, during that time I met this guy that served with my dad and he shared a lot of information. And all of a sudden one day my wife and kids went out and I said, well, I'm just going to lay here on the couch and maybe take a nap. And, I said, since I'm by myself. And then all of a sudden I felt that energy I hadn't felt since Florida. And all of a sudden there standing in my living room was a guy in a tiger stripe camouflage uniform with a beret and a scarf over his face. And I was totally paralyzed on the couch. I couldn't move. So I'm in my head praying, you know, and then saying, I know who you are and why you're here. I'm getting too close and um, I'm not afraid of you. And the, the figure walked in towards me and leaned towards me and you could see through the scarf decay in his face you could see part of his teeth and yeah which terrified me and tried to i tried to scream all i got was like a moan out and then finally the energy was gone and that's the only time i've ever had another encounter with that from the florida spirit you think there was did you have it still have any of your dad's property yeah yeah i got a lot of mementos my dad probably why because it connects with that and and come for you that's it that's absolutely fascinating it's also terrifying yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely terrifying. So now that you're like living away from that, I mean, once once you moved out, right? Your mother, you know, when your mother went to where to the other house she went to, was she, was she still having issues? Because obviously she would have had some of his stuff. No, um, no, she didn't have any, you know, encounters, you know, during that time in her newer house. So. And then the guy that bought the house from her, we're not sure. It just seemed weird. He bought it, and and then within a year after he bought it, he passed away. And uh, yeah, which I thought was odd. And I learned there was an estate sale. I was looking at the estate sales in the paper and I said, oh my God, that's our old address. So I said, I'm going to go to that just to not to, if I buy something that's just pure luck, but it was primary just to walk in the house to see if I could feel anything. And I walked in the house and I felt no energy whatsoever in there. And I said, well, I guess it's moved on. But it just seemed odd that, you know, right after that guy moves in there less than a year later he drops dead you know right, right. i was like wow i said i wonder if that was connected at all you had an interesting history with with uh hauntings and stuff yeah i've a lot of places i were i used to be a docent for a museum here locally i worked sure. there for three and a half years and the museum is extremely haunted um myself and several staff members have seen full body apparitions there and witnessed things that you know, like how, how did that happen? Like we had items in a display case that are totally encased in glass and 
come in the next day and the items are on the opposite side of the case. You know, like who opened the case and moved it? And someone's like, well, maybe someone bumped in it with their hip. And I'm like, well, that's some serious hip action to get that from there to there. And, but yeah, we had some skeptics that worked at the museum until they had their own personal encounters. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty amazing. We had one guy that was working on the elevator there and he came downstairs and he goes, is this place haunted? And we're like, why? And he goes, well, I was working on the elevator and this guy comes out with uh, denim coveralls and he looked all dirty and everything. He had a scruffy beard and he stepped out of room number two there from the elevator and looked at me. And I said, hey, what's up? I'm working on the elevator. And the guy just looked at me and grunted and walked back in the room. And I said, oh, that's Mr. Grumpy. And he goes, well, what does he do here? Is he a maintenance guy or something? I'm like, no, he's a ghost. <laughs> and his eyes got huge. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, because I went down to that room to, to make sure everything was okay with him because he looked like he was upset me working on the elevator. And he says, I walked in that room and nobody was there. So that's why I came down to ask you if this place was haunted. <laughs> well, you know, in some situations, it's okay. You're like, with my house, I know who they are. They know who I am. It's cool. Right. They don't scare me. So you can live in peace with them. But I mean, there, there's also the situations like you had with your Florida house. Yeah, you just it's just uh, just one thing after another, and they're aggressive, and and, and they're doing so. Now, when you go out to your clients, and since you've had all this, like I said, since you've had all, all this experience, do you tell them, you know, hey, this happened to me. This something similar. Yes. You know, don't yeah. have something similar happen to me, so you're not alone. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've had like clients were telling me, you know, I said, well, what kind of activity is happening? And they go, oh, it's extreme. And I'll say, well, what's extreme? You know, a door slammed shut or I saw this, you know, and I'm like, well, no one's being physically grabbed or thrown or. Right, right, right. And then they're like, oh, no, no. Why is that happen? And I'm like, yeah, it, it, it can happen. Um, so I share my experience and that usually puts them at ease. Right. Knowing that it's not as negative as they thought it is. And I said, usually I said that most of the clients, when I tell them, I said, it sounds like somebody's just trying to get your attention, mm -hmm. you know, and um, they either have a message or to let you know that they're not happy with something. I, we had like one client in Nashville that um, he had remodeled the house. He was remodeling the bathroom mm -hmm. and we got a lady's voice and her name and it matched to the prior uh lady that lived in there years ago during the seventies. And she was upset that he had found when he was taking the wallpaper off, there was another layer of wallpaper underneath it and it was roses and he was taking it off and she was real upset that the wallpaper. So we had him actually sit down and talk to like an empty chair and said, I don't know if she's there, but talk to her like she is and explain that you're the new owner and that, you know, you'll keep a little bit of that paper somewhere. I said, just frame it in a five by seven or something, hang it on the wall just as a tribute in her memory. And the activity came to a halt. You know, yeah. um, I, I just think of that. I thought, you know, I wouldn't be a ghost hunter if I didn't find it interesting, you know, to, to try and. Yeah. Every case has been different for me. They're you know, all got their own uniqueness to it. Right, right, right. Let me ask you this now. You've been, you've been doing this probably as long as I have. Have you noticed the trends chase, changing because of the TV shows? You know, oh, what I've yeah. noticed with these calls is that when people are calling me, it's always a demon. Yes, yes. About. I mean, yeah, you have yeah. to calm them down, try and calm them down and say, hey, you know, it's not, it, it may not be a demon. How do you calm people down out of that state? Because I get them to where they insist and all they want is a blessing. Um. I'll do like a full interview and ask them questions. And I'll say at the end of the interview, I'll say everything you shared with me does not sound negative. 
-hmm. it sounds like someone trying to get your attention and let you know that they're there and and i'll offer to go in there and do like a an investigation and see what you know happens one of my favorite ones is in nashville we had a guy that was uh ex-special forces so here's a guy that's really intelligent really clear head thinking and he called me on super bowl sunday going uh my girlfriend and i are terrified we just had a shadow figure uh standing at the end of our, my bed in the bedroom and we were trying to watch the football game and it scared us to death can you come down here and i said well one i'm not a pest control like <laughs> you know can't come down there immediately there's no removal it's not ghostbusters and um so i went down there and we did a walkthrough and during the walkthrough i record as i'm walking through because you end up getting evps usually of them yelling get out or I don't like you, stuff like that. And um, so one of them uh, had an EVP saying, I'm not a ghost. And then it had a name said, and it gave a name chief. And so I went to him, I said, hey, he was a contractor. He was working for like Blackwater type thing. And I said, uh, do you lose a friend? And he goes, we mean like a chief petty officer or chief warrant officer or chief, you know, master sergeant from the Air Force. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah, matter of fact, a uh, chief petty officer from the Navy. He goes, um, SEAL dude. And uh, I said, uh, um, I think he's trying to reach out to you. And then after him, and then I came back and replayed the EVPs out loud and the spirit overtook me with emotion, which never has ever happened to me before. I, I just got, it hit me so hard. I just broke down crying. And, uh, and then it just went away like a snap of a finger. It was like so weird. And, um, I showed that to him and I said, I think your friend's worried about you. And then we got talking about his PTSD he was dealing with and, and that helped big time. The activity came to an end after he had a talk. I said, just pretend your friend's right there in that chair, you know, that kind of deal. So that's what I try to do is to, um, have them talk like they're, they're, they're a living solid person there. You know, I said, it's your house. You're now living there and uh, they shouldn't, they may not like you there, but you got to learn to coexist with each other. I had a case that I worked in Nashville that spent a whole year on, and it was multiple investigations. And this poor lady, she was conned by other teams, and she had these fraud mediums, you know, that charged her huge amount of money. She bought a case, which I call Ghost Be Gone Spray, <laughs> but she had a 5,600 square foot ranch house. And they told her that she needed uh, 12 cans to cover the square footage of her house for $300 a can. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so one team had told her she was crazy that her house wasn't haunted and her house was like off the charts. We were seeing full body operations, shadow figures, you know, motion lights when we were like, I had six motion lights lined up in her house in her master bedroom and she came in she goes is the house haunted and i said uh yeah watch this i said if you're in the room still can you turn on the lights and i expected maybe one motion light would turn on but every one of them in the whole room turned on at the same time and she's like oh my god thank you for believing me i said oh yeah you're not crazy so one of the things that we found out was uh she had she was terrified to go on the second floor of her house mm -hmm. and um her daughter was gifted she had a seven-year-old daughter at the time and she was seeing an old man up there on the second floor and found out he through, I brought in three different mediums. They all had the same story. And I don't let my mediums talk to clients sure. at all because it. I think that can put stuff in their head. I've seen that with other teams I've 
seeing them work and going, oh, my God, they're telling this poor lady it's this evil person that killed these people. And I'm like, how do you know that? You haven't even reviewed your data or your audio to confirm that. Right. And so um, it kept on matching up from the EVPs and the different mediums that came in at different times. And it was a World War One veteran that had passed away and his family's flag for his funeral was still in the house when she bought it. And she um, had her servants take the flag. She found it in the closet, kind of mildewy, and had it burnt out in the yard. And uh, so we had her get a new flag, and I helped her fold it for her and had her apologize and put it back in that closet. And um, it was year, uh, at least one or two years later, I was doing a guest speaking somewhere in Nashville, and she came to it, and she thanked me. She's like, I... I have no fear going to the second floor anymore. She goes, I actually made that room, my uh, exercise room. I have my treadmill and bike and all that in there. So yeah, just teach them to learn how to coexist. And it's like uh, counseling between the spirit world and the living world, I guess it's the best way to describe it. But I haven't encountered anything negative like I did in Florida. The closest I ever had was a school that I did 12 investigations at. And there was uh Research found out that there was a gentleman there that was um, hung in the early 1900s um, for uh, doing bad things with kids. And um, his name matched up in the research. And um, when we were doing an EVP session in this one room, one of the team members goes, Mike, you just disappeared. There's like total black around you. And um, I said, well, I feel my left ear getting really, really, really hot. And the medium goes, I think you're being attacked. You need to leave the room. So I tried to leave the room and I felt this big paw of a hand push me into the chair. And um, she's like, are you leaving? I said, I'm trying to. I said, something just pushed me back into the chair. And so I get up and they said, I didn't see it, but they said they saw like a small ball about the golf, like a golf ball size, follow behind me going out the door. And um, when I got outside, everybody checked me out and they said, your ears like super, super, super red. And I said, well, it's hot. You know, it's like a, like a bad sunburn. Mm -hmm. And so the next morning when I went to look at it in the bathroom mirror, the, the skin was peeling like a sunburn. So that's about the closest I've had of anything that was close to being negative from Florida. Mike, this hour just blew by. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, thank you so much. I'd love to get you back on to to talk more shop with you, you know, your team and my team and all that good stuff. But I really appreciate you coming on, telling your story. We've got some really good reactions in the chat room from it. And uh, it's incredible. You know, a lot of people don't don't get that with, with their dying, you know, father or their dying mother. Right you were able to experience that. And then that's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But I want to thank you for coming on and I'll be in touch to get you back on. How's that sound? Sounds good. Thank you. And how do people find you? Um, you can go to vsparanormal.com and also you can find volunteer state paranormal research on Facebook. Okay. Fair enough. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much. You have a good rest of the evening. It's late for you. So yeah, thank you. All right. right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right, that was Mike Sears from VS Paranormal. That was a fantastic story he told about his father. That's why I wanted to share a little bit about what I went through with went through with my mother. Because for everybody, it's different. But sometimes you luck out and you're able to spend time with with your loved one, you know, and get get that extra time. I think I think I did too with my mother when she rallied, you know, wanted to eat, and I got those two extra years. Tomorrow is Friday, right? What does Friday mean? 
It's Nancy Matt's Friday, so it's Casual Friday. Nancy is going to be here doing readings for you guys, all right? And what she's going to be doing is it's going to be that whole one question thing. And think about the one question that you want to know in all the world and ask her. She's only going to have about maybe one to two minutes per person, if that. But uh, we all know Nancy, and she can knock those babies out, right? Okay, so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about, uh, you know, how your past life, people that can come in from your past life into your current life, and how that affects you. You know, who knows, they might have been a bad person in your past life, they come into your current life. So we're going to be talking about stuff like that tomorrow as well. But I want to thank everybody for coming. Um, and uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. If you're watching from Facebook, please hit that uh, follow button. If you're watching on Twitch, please hit that follow button. Same thing with uh, TikTok. And yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I almost said Yahoo. And YouTube. If you're watching from, from YouTube, please subscribe. Okay, because we're looking for subscribers as well. Um, we have over 250 videos sitting over there. And they're, they're varying topics. And I think there's something for everybody over there. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you despise the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, if you have trouble finding the YouTube page or anything like that, you can get it through CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And uh, just click on any video there. It'll take you over that page. Now, I didn't have it running today, but we do have... Uh, donations that we take uh we don't charge for investigating we don't charge for anything like that but uh, you know i'm retired and this is what i do and I, i'm the one that funds everything for the ghost team and for the radio show and if you could help me out a little bit to keep everything going keep this on the air i i would really appreciate it you know so far you've helped me out re really well the last couple of years and and uh, I, I i love it so uh, first of the months here like for everybody else bills are coming due and i i appreciate it you can do that at paypal.me at california haunts or if you don't like PayPal, you can do that at Venmo and just type in California Haunts. Again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And tomorrow, again, we have Nancy Matt, so get your question ready. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. See ya. <laughs>